Oh shit, recordings in progress. Hello everybody and welcome to the newest episode of Circuit 42. I'm your host Ian. I am here with Michael the Samurai Ninja Martinez. Hello. Um, apologies for my weirdness. And Stephanie, she makes foam and shit. Hi, I make more than just foam shit. I do other foam stuff too. I did not say you actually make foam shit. I said foam and shit. Mm-hmm. Stephanie Chan's pretty awesome. So, Michael, this is your show. This is your topic that you've been trying to get on here for a while. And we've had toes stepped on and various toe steppers, but they are all gone now. So, now that all the toe steppers have gone away, let's get started, man. This is your show. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, this is a show where we're really never going to have a shortage of material. We're here today. We're trying to talk about toxic fandom. We're talking about examples of it. Um, We're certainly going to get into some of the more recent uh, news regarding to toxic fandom. We're going to be talking about our experiences with it, how we've been disappointed by our fandoms and more or less trying to get into what we feel like it takes to be a good fan and not be a toxic one. Stephanie? Mm, sorry, I, I thought that was just a question for Michael. What's the question again? Oh, no, no. I was wanting to get your, kind of your take on the talk on basically just a toxic fandom and your take on it, you know, before we get started and move into it. Um, okay. Well, toxic fandom is unfortunately something that's really um, become quite um, has become has taken over a lot of the conversations from uh, away from a lot of us who are fans that uh, just want to enjoy something, and then now we have to deal with all this negativity and toxic behavior um, that uh, just it just makes no sense. Why why would you want to be miserable when you when you all love something? I've personally just. I've at a point where I've had to tell people in so many fan cultures I love that I have, I am a fan of these particular things of Star Wars, Rick and Morty, Lord of the Rings, uh, comics, basically everything now. Apparently, it's been dominated by the worst kind of people, just depressing. But I am not one of those fans. And the fact that I've had to use that for so many different fan bases and so many different fandoms is just really, really frustrating. And um, it's it's odd. I I don't understand. Like there are positive there are positive places in social media, and I I do subscribe to the idea that unfortunately, the worst kind of fans are that are the loudest minority of them. So you have those handful of people on Twitter, those handful of people on social media, and sadly the handful is growing larger. But unfortunately, they're the loudest. And they are the most obnoxious. They are the people who interrupt your panel. They're the people who come into a chat uninvited. And um, Stephanie, I'm referring to something in particular. I might be referring to something in particular. Maybe the year uh, 2015. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, that that was such a bizarre time to be honest. So we're kind of um, back then, you know, um, this is sort of the height of Gamergate actually. 
And um, so, um, and a lot of women were becoming much more vocal about them being nerds and geeks and, you know, actually coming out and being more, you know, more in the forefront about this. Um, then, and there were a lot of uh, groups that were, well, a lot of groups existed, but a lot of groups were not getting attention about being, you know, hey, we're uh, women into uh, nerd shit. And, um, and that's where the story kind of begins. Um, I tend to host panels at uh, various comic shows and one of them was the comic expo in calgary and that particular year one of my panels was um was a uh, women in comics actually and um and it, was, it meant to be just like a nice little like you know like we sit around and talk about you know different women with different occupations or interests or whatever it is in comics you know whether they're readers whether they run a fan club you know retailers uh, media people whatever and that was that was the idea and I had a good variety of people on my panel um, but interestingly enough I had um, some um, self-proclaimed men's rights activists show up and uh, before you just I imagine I, I figure everybody just has this picture of what a men's rights activist would look like. Um, but these were particularly interesting ones because they were a group of women and one man. So they came to the panel and and then they were trying to disrupt, you know, it not necessarily screening, but they tried to take over the conversation about, oh, but oh, why is it just like women in comics and and um, you know, why why like like kind of um as if like women were ruining comics and then they would bring up the romance novel thing, how men can't advance as romance novel um, authors, for example. And at that point I was just kind of like, well, this is a panel about comics, not romance novel panel. <laughs> Cause I really don't know anything about the romance novel industry. And I'm not going to even go to dive into that. Anyways, they, they pretty much disrupted the panel next day. The next day, uh, follow up, and um, Mary Sue actually wrote an article about what had happened at the Calgary Expo panel. Um, I don't think people realize um, there were actual Mary Sue writers that were at the show. Um, and um, one of my panelists, um, Brittany, she actually spoke with Mary Sue about what had happened at the show. And um, at the same time, coincidentally, by the way, um, actually, I won't get into that part yet. So, so sorry, this story is going on a bit. Um, anyway, so at this point, Mary Sue has an article about it. Um, these men's rights activists, we find out they have a table and they're supposedly selling some sort of like self-publishing, I think, or something like that. Uh, but Calgary Expo kind of looked at their table and decided because they're selling stuff that was also promoting Gamergate, that they were not, they were dishonest with what they were selling at the show so they used that to say hey you guys are not welcome here you're here to cause trouble um and uh there was also you know if you check into the social medias they talked about how they were going to come to the show to be controversial so um so they were kicked out of the show and then the internet blew up because that's where they rallied their their men's rights activists they rallied their gamergate friends and whoever else uh, with this Mary Sue article and them getting kicked out. And there was, actually, I can't remember what order it happened. If Mary Sue could, or got them before or after the kick out. Now I can't remember. I'm sorry if I got the order of events incorrect. All I remember, because I wasn't at the show the day after this all the, the panel, the day after the show happened, I was literally at the Law Society of Alberta. And hilariously enough, I was the only non-lawyer attending a special 
um, seminar class specifically about social media and the law. And a lot of the topics dealt with cyberbullying and harassment and all these other topics. And my Twitter is totally blowing up. My social media is going nuts about, you know, all, all these guys are like, like writing me and like these stupid whatever and blah, 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 and everything like that. And I'm sitting here in real time in, in a room full of lawyers <laughs> with a real life example of uh, how, how uh, people can just suddenly like go, go off the deep end and start attacking you. They were attacking the show. They were threatening the sponsors. They were doxing various people involved. They were trying to do a DNS attack on the Calgary Expo website, as well as several of the sponsor websites. They were sending death threats. It got to the point where the show actually was concerned for my safety that I had a, I had a security detail of eight people. I had more security than the mayor of Calgary had at that show. And that the whole thing is incredibly surreal. And that's just based out of, out of some people who were, were posting prior to the show about how they wanted to cause a disruption. And, uh, and the, you know, why, why would you want to do that? We're at this comic show to have fun, you know? Anyway, that's, that's my firsthand big experience. I have a few other smaller bigger smaller experiences too but yeah that's the big one and the the irony the and the thing that pisses these people off the most is when you point out the fact that you have people like marie severance who she started coloring comics back in the days back in ec back in the days mm -hmm. of ec and she was working with marvel all through the, like to the late 90s early 2000s and then you have people like ando senti who was the editor of the x-men books during the Claremont era for Silvestri and um, Jim Lee. And when everybody else was like, I don't know what to do to follow up Frank Marr Daredevil. She's like, I will write the comic for five years. And like literally went from the highest paying editorial position at Marvel to be like, fuck it. I'll do it if you want to do it. And then you have Louise Simonson, who everyone knows who Louise Simonson is, you know, the mm -hmm. actually co-creator of Cable, despite uh, Rob Liefeld's chagrin, chagrin about it. I don't know how the hell you pronounce that word. And um, and then um, you know, some person named Trina Robbins, who was the first underground under female underground comic publisher and had the first female underground publishing team in comics, and she was the co-designer of Vampirella. So it's like, yeah, it's just like getting into the discussion the point, about. It's it's just like getting a discussion about uh, kind of like U.S. history, and when people start bringing up you know the impact of women and you know other minorities people of color and it just there's a light that gets shown on it and then people start to think oh why are you talking about this now and it's like they were already there it's not something new they were there they were a part of it do you think that you know just because there were only white guys in photographs back then that there were no people behind them like helping everything become successful and helping everything happen because the, the, there's always been other types of people it's just that a matter of you know uh certain people like being in power mm -hmm. and speaking of that you know i'm just gonna go ahead and say it and if people want to give me hate for it that's totally fine but um speaking of that that error like of that unfortunate um time period for stephanie um, I really feel like people like recently 
ever, ever since, you know, the, the rise of, of Trumpism and uh, the MAGA hate, um, that's really kind of given people this sense that their, their hatred equals power, that they <laughs> can just affect things simply by disliking it. And we, we've seen certain uh, examples of that, and we've even kind of like romanticized certain examples of, of uh, expressing their displeasure and trying to get like a positive effect out of it. And one of the, one of the things that we can think of is like, take, for example, Sonic when there was a lot of backlash over the appearance of Sonic the Hedgehog for that movie. There's a lot of people who were saying, you know, oh, this is this part of, they, they always bring this up, like, you're ruining my childhood. As if, like, your, your child, somebody went back and, like, I don't know, uh, grabbed one of these horrible-looking Sonics and, you know, slapped you in your little eight-year-old face with a stuffed animal over it. That's not what happened. Or, like, you know, Sonic didn't time travel and, you know, fuck your mom or something that's not what happened so people get this sense that because they're upset about something they have the ability to uh, affect it and because the internet has made the world a smaller place they feel a more direct connection with the creators uh, of certain things with the more powerful people and when you start talking about things like uh, like star wars around the same time like Ian, you brought up Star Wars before, and we you can't really bring up Star Wars and talk to fandom without talking about The Last Jedi and start talking about how people started to uh, really get ugly about it, how they started to uh, you know harass certain actors, trying to insist that Star Wars was only for a certain um, you know gender or only for a certain race. And that's when you started to see you know, people who really grew up with Star Wars, people who are in this middle age, um, you know, demographic, but started to get this sense that, you know, Star Wars was only for them. Like it couldn't be for a new generation. It couldn't be for a different demographic than the one that, that they were. So when you started to see, uh, you know, characters of color, um, when you started to see like Finn, in there when you start to see rose in there um all of a sudden it, or you start to see you know ray become the the central figure it becomes a conversation of like oh um why does it have to be that type and it's like what are you talking about like princess what leia is, was awesome that this whole man? time uh hmm. you know lando was awesome this whole time and it's like how is it that it's only okay for these minority characters to be there when they're when they have little roles why is it not okay for them to take on a bigger role and why is it not okay for these characters to just you know be themselves why is it not okay for these actors to just be themselves and the it, it, people just need to be honest about why it is and it's like if you're just a racist misogynist piece of shit be honest about it at least um we we like that i'm gonna say it like um you know aldo rain said it you know we like it when there's something you can't take off so go ahead and identify yourself well yeah i mean plus you might get a chance to buy twitter well you i'm can't just say gonna stuff like that while we're drinking man <laughs> 
I'm just going to jump in here um, since Michael brought it up. And um, you are completely right. There was a time period where all of a sudden there was a license to be okay to be an asshole. I'm not saying that we're, there were never all, there were never a time of no assholes, you know, like there, there, we always had them around. But I think at when we were, we were coming out of the Obama era um, and in, for us in Canada, Justin Trudeau had just been elected and uh, Justin Trudeau made a point to, to uh, include a cabinet that was 50% women, for example. Um, and um, you guys just had your first black president. And I think things changed then for people who are not used to seeing women in leadership roles, uh, racialized people in leadership roles, um, more accepting and different language for not just not just race and and gender, but now we're talking about uh, sexual orientations, and 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 then you know things started snowballing in in these things. We're we're starting to realize there was a bit of an awakening with a lot of people. Like, wow, there's actually a lot of different types of people that we we haven't really given attention to, you know. And like that's where things like the talk for women in comics kind of came in. It was never to take away what men, what cis white men have done specifically, but it was a way for us to celebrate the women who have done things and the women who are doing things. And for some reason that gets twisted and regurgitated into an attack where all of a sudden these, these people now feel marginalized and they don't all of a sudden they feel like these things that they, you know, their childhood is being taken away from them. And that mindset in particular, I find very, very puzzling almost because it's like, why, why wouldn't there be different people and kinds of people in different roles? Why are we gatekeeping this kind of things? You know, like uh, we're reading science fiction, we're watching Star Trek. There's aliens in different roles. Why can't there be women in these roles instead? That kind of thing. And, um, and then like during, and then as, you know, as, uh, as, uh, as you mentioned, Trump and uh, the knowledge, not just politics, we're talking media too. You know, Fox News has had a long, long go at it. In Canada, we had a, a much um, younger thing, um, alternative channel on YouTube channel called uh, Rebel. And uh, they're giving voices to the far alt right. Um, what's that, Alex? What's this, that guy's name? Alex Jones. That, Alex, Alex Jones. Yeah, your big American one too. Like that's like the Canadian Alex Jones kind of thing. He, he is, he is and, very much a big American. Yeah, and even even like a little more mainstream. I, here's the thing: I don't like making jokes like that about people, but it's Alex Jones, so fuck it. Is that bad? <laughs> sorry, I, I I didn't quite catch it. I was in the middle of my spiel. <laughs> oh, so. I'm so sorry. When you said the big American one, I said yes, Alex Jones is the big American one. And I'm oh, like, okay. you know, normally you I don't like making cut jokes. That one, maybe. <laughs> you know <laughs> what? It's Alex Jones, random. so fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> and his fans can fuck themselves too. So there you go. Yeah, I will. That's the one thing. That's the one line I personally won't draw. Won't do is I won't go into their physical attributes. You know, honestly, um, that's, that's just that's that's for me though, right? I mean, I mean, I will. Yeah, I'll do it. I won't. I won't. <laughs> that's not for me. Stephanie. But... Stephanie is a class system on us. That's because she's Canadian. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. There's a yeah, lot yeah, of unclassy Canadians, to be honest. I know, like the ones <laughs> a rebel. <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, where was I? Sorry. Um, Sorry, you, did, you were talking about, Alex, about like Robert. a Canadian Alex Jones, I think. Yeah. Rebel. So so now that we have, okay, 
So backtracking a bit, we have the right-wing politicians, the far noisy, toxic politicians. I don't even say right or left. I'm going to say toxic because that's exactly what they are. They're toxic. You know, they just happen to be the majority of them very alt-right, <laughs> as in 99.9% of them. So um, we're talking about these very toxic alt-right politicians and this very incredibly toxic alt-right media and they're giving a license to be assholes to people who probably have a lot of these feelings of being now being feeling like, oh, now, now things aren't about me anymore. Uh, they're, they're giving, they're, they're validating and bringing out these feelings that some people were originally ashamed of. And now they're like, oh yeah, I do feel this way. You know, I, yeah, that's right. That's me there. I'm that white guy who's, who's whatever and blaming immigrants for it for example or something like that usually wrongly so just the <laughs> exactly smallest violin there yeah we got the smallest violins <laughs> playing at this point and and then and that's basically why we're where we are at today now people feel like they have a license to their opinion uh they that it's not even a you know it's their god-given rights or whatever like that you guys call it free speech in the states you call it freedom of expression in Canada. A lot of people in Canada think we have free speech, which we don't, by the way. It's freedom of expression, and it's something different than free speech. Uh, so, so, and uh, they're using it basically as a completely like, oh, that means I can say whatever I want without consequence, and that's what they don't understand. Um, the, the way that I usually try to explain it to other people when we start getting into the topic of uh, you know, free speech and how to apply it. And we say, you know, we have a right to an opinion. Uh, my usual response, my usual response is, yeah, you have a right to have an opinion. You don't have a right to be an asshole. Um, and the way that essentially, you know, our uh, Bill of Rights or our whole structure of, of freedom here, I the way I interpret it is you are free to express yourself so long as the way that you the way that you choose to express yourself doesn't infringe upon the rights of others so when you start to be threatening and when you start to harass people when you start to uh, denigrate people at a level that's going to potentially affect their rights that's when you have to stop and ask yourself uh, am i being an asshole and if you are being an asshole then knock it off because otherwise you are forfeiting um, some of your rights because, you know, that's just the way that it works. When you start to overstep, um, you have to, you know, you, that's the way, you know, it's set up in terms of, you know, the consequences of, you know, well, at some point it becomes harassment. At some point, you know, it becomes threatening. And that's when you have to back up and you have to be willing to, uh, douse those flames you know you're douse the you know cut off the, the spark like as soon as you see it and when we go back to talking about uh you know a license to be an asshole really it, it's maybe not even necessarily like a license but seeing somebody who made a career out of being a piece of shit and like being like the biggest asshole that you can ascend to the highest office in the land people start to think oh there might be something to being uh you know a racist misogynist you know uh woman hating piece of shit who says like every type of you know racist thing and, and hey it worked for him 
Maybe it works. Yeah. So that's really uh, what made people start to feel empowered with their mm -hmm. uh, their shittiness. And I have no problem talking shit to those those people. I have no problem. Um, I'm sure Ian sees my my. Uh, bullshit online where I'm talking and crap to these people <laughs> all the time. Um, I kind of feel bad. I feel like some people might have like muted me at some point on social media and be like, man, just like stop engaging these people. And I had a similar uh, discussion, I think. I was recently in LA Comic Con and there was a, a panel about uh, minorities uh, specifically engaging in cosplay and how we deal with uh, toxic fandoms who try to tell us that we can only be one type of gender or one type of uh, race when we're doing cosplay. And the topic came up and I feel like maybe um, I didn't explain myself well enough, but they started talking about uh, gatekeeping. So to me, what I feel like is uh, maybe not even like the right term for it, but a way, the only way that I am in favor of gatekeeping is like keeping the toxic people out and making sure that people know that they don't represent us. Like it always kills me every time I see somebody with like a Captain America or Superman decal or hat just or a, like a Facebook picture just being like the biggest like uh, like like a Superman fan. A Superman, like everything, Superman banner, Superman, uh, you know, logo on their profile picture. They're wearing a Superman shirt. And then there's like, man, I don't know about uh, those illegal immigrants, man. Um, <laughs> something shifty about them. I'm not sure that we can we can trust them. And it's it's like, like, he came from another planet, man. He is the most obvious metaphor of the planet and outside of the has, planet. He has it's, it's fucking canon that he's got like forged documents from Batman. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Um, and also, and, and the good thing is um, as much as people do uh, kind of talk shit about, and some of it justified about like the civil war uh, event. One of the things that I did like is when they started talking about, or rather when the, when the series is starting to wrap up. Um, I'm not sure if you guys remember, but the person who ends up, uh, I think shooting, or inadvertently getting uh, Aunt May shot or attacking uh, Spider-Man's family is wearing like a Captain America shirt. And I thought that that was like a good way of showing like people can still take the goodness that they see in other, other, other characters and other, uh, you know, in, in the fandoms and they can twist it. And they twist it for their own purposes. And he was like saying, you know, hey, when he fired the gun, he was like, Cap was right. Um, and so people still find ways, even though, because it's mind boggling, they have these characters straight up telling them, you have Superman saying, you know, going up to policemen, even in the future, saying like, hey, policemen are supposed to protect everybody. You have Superman embracing his bisexual son and we, we've got still people who are just not getting the message. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how. That's it's just it. It's so baffling because Superman is the epitome of like ethics and values and everything and, uh, and community and getting along and loving thy neighbor and, and all of those values. 
And it's like, where, where did we go wrong in these stories where people feel like these certain values don't apply because it's somebody who's trans or somebody who's a woman or whatever. It's just what happened. Even my favorite example is Star Trek because it's very in your face that what Gene Roddenberry was doing. He had, he had a representative from all sorts of different countries. He made sure to have different types of gender and skin tones. And, and there's so many toxic Star Trek fans who complain about the, um, the, how woke Discovery is. And it's like, did you not watch the originals? It's like the original <laughs> socialism in space. It was so woke. <laughs> it was the most woke thing. And, and you didn't learn anything from it somehow. I don't understand where, where it just went whoosh like a Klingon bird of prey. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw a post like one one on like a super I you'll see it like on the DC comics uh Facebook page sometimes. Cause they uh, the good thing, even though I feel like DC is kind of like getting their ass kicked by Marvel right now, they still do a good job of trying to make sure that they have representation out there. They're trying to make sure like uh especially they're really good. Um I'm sure we'll see here uh pretty soon about acknowledging like their black creators so for black history month you're definitely going to see all the stuff about you know uh static shock out there you're going to see um you know uh, you're going to see like black lightning you're going to see all these characters like front and center like they always do a good job of like having those uh those posts up and you still have people trying to troll those posts and recently i saw saw one saying oh superman is never going to go woke i'm like <laughs> My response was, he's like literally definition of woke, man. It's like, okay, guys, if you're going to go after anything, go after the Hispanic heritage covers where all the Mexican heritage are holding talk bags of tacos. Go after that. Be oh, mad yeah. about that. Don't be mad or about go, this. Go after that. I heard it was like a terrible like Miles Morales Thor one where he was like doing just like every like black stereotype. And just it was like really cringy, and people were like, "Oh shit! How did how did you guys fuck this up so bad?" <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I, I don't. I'm trying to remember the the comic writer. I think the comic writer with enough. Um, I think so. Eugenio Mercado. Uh, I think he's actually makes black Hispanic, and I'm like, what what happened? What happened there? Stop it. There's just... I don't know. Okay. I think sometimes there's like a pressure to kind of like lean into some of like the, the stereotypes. And I say that as somebody who's um, born and raised in Arizona, um, I'm Hispanic, um, Latino, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I, I always thought it was kind of like funny when I saw, um, you know, Hispanic representation, because it feels like you couldn't have people who were Hispanic in, in media, who didn't speak like Spanglish, who didn't, you know, say like every other word, like in Spanish. And I was like, that's not how it was for me. Um, it kind of feels like sometimes they, they force it a little bit. Um, but at the same time, when they're trying to like dial in the representation, that doesn't mean they have to dial it all the way back just because they made a mistake. So, 
I, I feel like there's always I kind of like bring it back to what Stephanie was saying earlier when she had literally, um, you know, a woman in this mob, this mini mob of like men's rights activists. Um, it's always unfortunate when you do find somebody who is being marginalized by those type of people, like in that group. And kind of like they, they always look to that one example to say, like, see, we got see, we got we got mm -hmm. that one who says that it's OK. And so whenever you do, do see stuff like, say, like, you know, Hispanics for Trump or you start to see, um, you know, people who, who do have like Superman gear saying like racist and misogynist shit and you start to get this, this sense of, you know, no, 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 like, don't don't make it seem like it's OK. Don't do that. Don't try to rationalize their bullshit. And it's always a very, a very fine line to walk because, um, like, I think we were talking about earlier, uh, Ian, you said, you know, at one point, do we kind of like in, in trying to police ourselves, when do like, does, does it become a point like when we become toxic? Mm -hmm. And that's where I said about the boundaries earlier. Um, example, like, um, there's certain jokes that Ian makes that I would never make. I'm sure there's certain lines that I've crossed that you guys have never crossed kind of thing. At what point do we all agree and make a consensus of what is toxic and what is not? Um, I'm sure I've, I am positive. I've done stuff that would shock people. Um, but in the name of, uh, of the good for the greater all, but so who gives me the right to determine what's good for the greater all? You know what I mean? What's good for the greater, right? Yeah. But yeah. So that, that makes you wonder. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay, uh, go ahead. I just say, say before anybody comments on this video, I'm just outright just saying I'm a terrible human being. So like, haha. So everyone who's mad at us, all the toxic people out there, I know I'm, a, I know I'm an asshole. So there you go. I, I got you. Well, the the thing that I think kind of can um can kind of be like a good gauge. I feel like to you determine if you do you feel like you're you're starting to take on like a toxic trait and I'm, I'm sure like when we start to use that word like uh like toxic like more and more it, it's becoming like one of those words that unfortunately when you start to use it people will shut down like a conversation mm -hmm. just like when you use yeah. like the, the term woke um Snowflake. And, yeah <laughs> stuff like that so i think really what can kind of give you a good indicator of whether or not you you know are being toxic is like if you actually have that conscience to say, you know, am I am I doing this? Am I being wrong? Because I feel like the people who are actually being toxic fans, they don't stop and say that because to them, what they are ultimately after is their negative feelings somehow impacting their environment. They want some kind of result. They want to see if they can either piss somebody off or make somebody do what they want them to do just because they want them to do it. And that's where we get in this conversation of um, why, why do you feel that way? Why do you feel like your, your buy-in for a fandom earns you the right to be as terrible as you want to be about it? And Ian was showing us a video earlier of um, somebody who's kind of like beloved in the, the geekdom Henry right now yeah who was kind of in his backwards way of uh, saying that fans have a right to be toxic 
That's called entitlement. Yeah. And so we, I've, I've had conversations about this with um, a couple of people who, who are friends and some people insist that we uh, as fans have a right to make certain demands um, because we are supporting franchises with, you know, with our money. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, Ian, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about uh, back in the day about uh, like, like DC, like the DC movies, how they were progressing. Um, uh, as you guys know, if anybody's like follow the podcast or, you know, Ian definitely knows, I was definitely uh, displeased with their initial offering of, of Man of Steel, not to the point where I was going to uh, try to, you know, threaten Zack Snyder or say that, you know, Henry Cavill needs to, you know, have somebody roll up into his house and break his kneecaps all Tanya Harding style. But you can dial it back. You can criticize the work without trying to make it personal. It's like all the people who go after modern Star Wars, you you can kind of tell the people who start to get toxic about it because they're just like, they immediately leap to Kathleen Kennedy. Mm -hmm. They immediately leap to Ryan Johnson. They immediately leap to the the actors who play the, the POC characters. They immediately start to the the thing that i think is brilliant by the way about the last jedi and there's a lot of brilliance to unpack there and um because i'll just say like i cried first time that i saw um the last jedi because i saw there was so much in there about what ryan johnson was trying to tell us about people who essentially are part of like the alt-right who feed on our need to look to the past and who I idolize the past yeah. because they, because that was something that I felt like I was kind of rambling to my wife about this earlier. It's like Kylo Ren is like basically like an alt-right poster boy who yeah. kind of spouts all this bullshit about saying like, Oh, we need to make something new. We need to make something new. Uh, fuck the past. We're just going to tear everything down. We're going to make something cool. We're going to make something awesome. Everybody can be a part of it. We're just going to, we're, we're going to do this new thing. But at the end of the day, it's like, how is your shit new? You're just trying to be like another Palpatine. You're just trying to be like another Darth Vader. And the thing is about it, it's a lot of, he was very representative of like modern alt-right mm. pieces of shit because he's like trying to take us back. And all of this shit would be resolved if he just talked to his motherfucking grandfather who was part of that movement to tell him, dude, I tried this. I realized I was a terrible piece of shit. Uh, you shouldn't do this. And this is all of like a big like parable for alt-right pieces of shit who like would probably stop being pieces of shit if they just talked to their grandparents. If they just called their grandparents and said like, hey, um, Am I being the bad guy right now? And they're just like, uh, yeah, maybe you should stop because I, I did this already. I tried this already and I found out that it was wrong. And one of the things that was also great about it in, in the whole, uh, in, in, the, in that parable of The Last Jedi, they literally made Haldo this purple haired woman who just kind of was there to like boss them around and say like, I know you don't, t like to me, 
uh, Last Jedi is just like a, it's just, uh, you know, it's just runs parallel to the 2016 election. And Haldo is essentially like Hillary Clinton trying to tell all like the, the hard left people like, yeah, I know I, you don't really know me that well, but um, I've been entrusted by like a lot of people who recognize that I have the experience to be here in this moment. So um, I know that you're kind of mad and you don't trust me as much, but you need to listen to what I have to say. And then we have like Poe in there being like, I don't know you fuck you and mm-hmm. that tanked everything that like because they tried to like go around her that, that it like fucked up the whole thing and fucked up the whole plan and we're just like if maybe you guys could just like stop the infighting for a second mm-hmm. we wouldn't we wouldn't have like fucked up and been so lost and that's what ended up happening and i was like this fucking guy gets it mm-hmm. so that that I thought that was funny as shit that they made her literally like purple haired. And then when people go to criticize The Last Jedi and they criticize Haldo, they're kind of exposing themselves and being like, see, this purple haired bitch was here trying to tell um, our new Han Solo what's what. And, you know, he was just trying to do the right thing. She should have told him. And it's like, motherfucker, he gets killed. He gets like he gets a bunch of people killed at the beginning of the movie. Because he thought he was going to be this, you know, daring asshole and not follow orders. And then he gets demoted by Leia, like in front of everybody. And it's like, maybe don't listen to that guy who just got like your whole fleet murdered. Mm-hmm. So, Sorry, that's okay. no, no, that's okay. You said a lot of uh, really good points that covered a lot of different things. First of all, I just want to reemphasize something that you brought up. One of it is criticism versus toxic um, behavior. Because you can criticize, again, I want to stress this, you can criticize something and not like the work without attacking the people about it. You can you can talk about the work, you can criticize what you like and dislike about the work, but you don't have to go on a, uh, a campaign to destroy the yeah. life of whoever's behind that work. And I think that's something that's very, very important to to. Uh, to uh, focus on here um and then to get when you got started getting into star wars there and uh, i'm here thinking yeah i had a lot of criticisms about that those three movies um um, of star wars and i do i do overall really like the last jedi a lot and um and that last scene with a holdor had the most badass destroy stuff scene I've yes. like in all Star Wars. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Luke's little like shooting the little things into the little holes yeah. in the thrust star doesn't compare <laughs> to, to going full throttle. So so um so we're talking about um uh an incredible leader that was not recognized though for how how uh, strategic and smart she is and um and that and then poe was a perfect representation of somebody who's so full of himself he just didn't see what was he didn't see the big picture kind of thing and then and then that i think that's where a lot of fandom kind of digresses too because we're on the same side right we all love star wars somehow and uh and that but then like you know people just don't like what's uh what the the uh the last uh, batch of movies was bringing us so then they, they go off in their own little anti star wars campaign and the rest of us is like what, what up <laughs> like it's star wars man we should be happy it's back and uh and, and we're gonna get more like awesome stuff but 
for some reason, you know, this, and, and for, even for me, there's certain aspects of those stories that don't appeal to me, or I don't, I don't know if I agree to per se or whatever, but I'm not on this, on this like tirade hate campaign about it either. And, and I can also talk about what I love about it too and balance you know, balance it like there's balance in the force, you know, like, like what's good and what's bad. Why can't we, why does discussion only have to come about when we're being negative? I need to touch yeah. on a couple of things real quick. Um, first off earlier, both of you mentioned something kind of got me thinking and it was regarding, um, you know, what well, was regarding particular, the particular comment I made earlier about Alex Jones, like attack. If you're, I don't want to necessarily use the word attack, but Go after the negative opinion. Go after the toxinous, the awfulness of the person. But you are absolutely right. What I said earlier basically brings up that idea of if we create, are we creating, We while we need to maintain ammunition in a social sense, we don't want to create ammunition for others. And if we come at that with that same, with that same, with that same kind of shallowness, we are creating ammunition for others. And that's actually a really good point that you made earlier. Stephanie, about the comment I made about Alex Jones. Because, um, like, go after the fact that he is a crazy, racist, misogynistic asshole. Don't go after the fact that he's he, he, he's a bigger boy. There you go. That's, not, that's a more polite way to put it. Um, another, another thing, we talked about Last Jedi. I mean, you mentioned communication. Honestly, I thought that was a part of the movie. I thought that was a part of the movie. And I thought that was brilliant. Because of the fact that you have people with such extreme mentalities were like, no, if we sat down and communicated and said, this is the plan, this is what we need to do. You stop below, stop launching fucking explosives at ships and getting people killed and come over here for a second. Listen, listen, everyone would, people would have survived. We wouldn't have had basically the chaos that had happens at the ending and basically just the need for sacrifice, basically. And, the people who cited Colin Trevorrow and his Star Wars ninth movie that was episode nine that was totally going to happen and all his cruel ideas. I'm like, you are siding with the guy who made Book of Henry and Jurassic World Dominion. People, think about that. Think about that for a second. Stop that. Um, the 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 thing is, um, when it comes to Star Wars, and I think this was something that was. Um, like kind of tying it back to uh, the 2016 election. I think it was uh, it was the creators of South Park who accurately predicted. They said, guys, I feel like we can gauge who's going to win the election based off of the reception of The Force Awakens. Because they're... Cause Force Awakens, as everybody is you know coming around to realize, is just kind of like a rehash of a new hope and there's a lot of like the plot beats they 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 kind of like really forced it to be the same and a lot of nostalgia a lot of fan service so because of that the creators i think came out of south park said guys i think it's basically going to come down to there are people who want to go and stay in the safe past and there are people who are willing to break new ground in the future and the future can be scary. The future is a little uncertain. The future has all these, you know, X factors that we have to take into account, these new frontiers that we're going to have to conquer. Whereas the past, you know, we, we've already survived it. It's safe. 
it's safe to go back to the past because we we know it. So why not? And because The Force Awakens was like so successful and people were like, yeah, like you give us everything that we wanted to to see when really what we wanted to see was just, you know, a shinier version of A New Hope. Then they were just like, fuck, I think Trump's going to win because there are people. And I think this is something that's also going to kind of come into play because I feel like we are seeing this theme more and more as we start to see uh, creatives that are involved in creating the movies and creating the shows. Um, I think we're going to see this with Kang as well. That's my uh, prediction as like, because you can see from the trailers for the next Ant-Man movie, he is literally offering Ant-Man like, Hey, I'll take you back to the past and you can like relive that warm and fuzzy bit. Um, And I think he's, we might end up seeing that. And that's my kind of like little prediction. I'm going to like sneak in there for other heroes as well. It's like, we are being given this character who is ultimately insidious and he is preying on our need to want to go back and somebody who is preying on our idealization of the past. So I think we're starting to see that more and more in our media of like these, like, Hey, whenever you get somebody out here who is saying like, let's take things back to how they used to be and like romanticizing the past, watch out for them. Mm-hmm. Because they are ultimately gonna fuck you over. I and that's had, a, oh, sorry. sorry, go ahead. Um, I had a I had had a concert a while ago that was something that I wanted to do that I knew would never happen. Where I wanted the way that they entered Secret Invasion to happen very slowly and be like, oh wait, I thought Steve was wait, Steve was gone, he disappeared. Wait, Tony was dead. What's happening? And then all of a sudden start bringing these characters being like, hey, we're back, guys, blah, blah, blah. Bring them into the position. And then that's when you realize, reveal that they were squirrels. And make them the enemy of Secret That could be a thing. And basically, That could definitely be a thing. So here's a question for both of you in that regard. Because my, I've been told by somebody before that that was a perfect example of basically giving ammunition. I don't think so. I think it's an idea of here are all the here's all the problems with staying in the past. You're basically going to put yourself in a position yeah. where you're easily duped, where you are, where you be, where you're becoming that. You're becoming that scroll. That you're becoming that invasion because you're so obsessed with that, bringing, keeping things exactly the way they were. But I've been told by people that this is that this is both a negative and a positive idea, even by people who are very much against the toxic the toxic fandom life. No, I think that would be a cool way to like turn it on its head. Um, and I think that's part of it, it. When you go back and look at the the timeline of Marvel Comics, I think they did play around with that idea as well. Um, and I think this this came out, I, I think Secret Invasion came out not too far away from uh, like when Sam became Captain America. So you could definitely play with the idea of, of somebody saying like, oh, like who's like we Captain America is not black um you know what happened to our classic one because you hear this argument all the time now especially after endgame people say like oh marvel's dying or um what happened to marvel after endgame and you know oh and and oh surprise surprise it happens to be around the same time when we start to see more female characters take spotlight we start to see more people of color take the spotlight and it's like man I, I was really predicting all the hate 
for Miss Marvel when she came out. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you guys are going to expose yourselves as pieces of shit. And the thing that I love about what Marvel is doing right now is they don't seem to give a single fuck about pissing those people off anymore. And they are using all of that goodwill from Endgame that they built up over like the last, um, how long has it been now? Like 15 years to say like, okay, we're, we have your money. We have the clout. We have the brand. We're going to start playing with it a little bit. We, like the reason why we did all of those safe, like hetero cis male movies in the beginning is so that way we could get your money. So that way we could do other things. Because Marvel is so much more than Captain America. It's so much more than Iron Man. It's so much more than Thor. It's bigger than those people. And then uh, a lot of folks don't realize like Iron Man for the longest time, he was considered like a B-lister. And it wasn't until the movie Mm-hmm. where he started to get like bigger because of Robert Downey Jr. and because of the MCU. Uh, and, and he started to become like a pre- premier character. So really, when you start to hear people complaining about, you know, She-Hulk breaking the fourth wall, we start to hear people complaining about Kamala Khan. It, it's like, do you even read comics, bro? Obviously you don't. Like if you did and you would know that She-Hulk was breaking the fourth wall well before Deadpool... So every single thing that you're complaining about She-Hulk doing in her own show, I'm sure you would have fucking loved it if Deadpool did it. So there's that. Um, and I, I feel like they, they really just have to come to terms in the same way that the Star Wars fans have to come to terms. Is, is They have to realize that there is something that they bring into the experience. There, there is the fan element of it. You have to realize that you're coming into it with like your own biases and you have to either check them at the door or just, you know, straight up own them. Or you just treat it the way that comic book fans treat uh, runs from companies that they don't like. Like, I'll, I'll admit, I am more of a DC guy. I consider myself a DC guy. But I haven't read and kept up on DC Comics in a little bit. And it's just because I feel like Marvel is just offering, like, the, the stronger stories right now. So they're kind of getting my attention. They're getting my time. And when they start to get, you know, the better runs and the better writers back, um, I'll just shift back. That's all you have to do is move along when you realize that something may not be geared toward you. Just move along. That's it. I'd like to bring up my favorite movie that I I love to hate right now, and that's Ghost in the Shell, the live action. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, aside, it was a very bad movie of a story that one of my most loved stories ever, right? And uh, do I have a lot of, oh boy, do I ever have a lot of criticism and boy, do I ever feel like like characters were miscast and everything was misrepresented and it was like a basically literal shell of what Ghost in the Shell was in the books and in, in, the, in, the, in the anime as well. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I never went out of my way to attack Scarlett Johansson. You know what I mean? Like, like no. at what point do you do you do you say, "Wow, that movie was so shitty. I'm gonna send her death threats." Like, where no. where 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 does this all come from? I like I I don't get it. It's so mind blowing. And 
and I almost I'm gonna put this out there just because who knows maybe a listener will be interested in this is there has there been any studies on toxic fandom very very much yet because like at what point do you do you like decide that oh yeah I am I am going to go down down the the path of of uh threatening threatening people because I just don't particularly like how this fictional story has gone or I don't like this particular representation of this thing I once read um and uh I just I just I don't know I just find the whole thing just mind-boggling and and the whole uh like and of course entitlement like again I said that before and it's just like at what point do you say like where does the brain just just jump to that oh yeah this is like I I hate this so much that I'm I'm totally, I'm totally gonna like, like nail like moldy bread to Scarlett Johansson. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yeah. what the heck? Maybe okay, they're just trying to do moldy bread. I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say moldy bread's at least creative. It's like, I don't understand <laughs> what this means. Are you mad at me? Dude, it's not like bread. What's happening? Do you, do you, do you have an out? Do you have a gluten out? I think. I think right now, if you started to send somebody like moldy bread and it started like spread to the box, given, you know, the prominence of The Last of Us, you might freak somebody out a lot. <laughs> so maybe that could be a thing. Um, but what I feel like, um, and I, I think I mentioned this before to somebody else when we were having a conversation about it, is I, I think maybe the what what I miss is writers committing to true villains and making them irredeemable and mm. i i feel like because that's another reason why i like the last jedi because um it got to the point where luke was just like i'm done trying to save you you've done too much fucked up shit to be redeemed um i'm just here to make sure that you lose and having them go back on uh, Kylo Ren taking part in killing billions of people in the first movie and having him kiss Rey just so that we could have that that shipping and it's like oh you motherfuckers that that Rise of Skywalker was so ham-fisted it was ridiculous and that was just one of the examples but what I'm trying to say is I think what I don't like is how much like we and really Star Wars is a primary example of this, how much we commercialize the villains. Mm -hmm. And I think Star Wars did a bad job of exploiting what they could get out of Darth Vader for generations and generations to the point where people, you're sporting, you know, essentially like a Star Wars swastika on your, on your decal, buddy. Like the, you're not supposed to root for the Empire. You're not supposed to root for the Sith. You're not supposed to think that Darth Vader is a badass. He's a fascist. So everybody needs to come to terms with the fact that Darth Vader was like a fascist man baby piece of shit who wasn't, you know, oh, I was, you know, the Jedi Council was mean to me, so I'm going to do a genocide. That's okay. not cool. The, the, here's the funny thing: the Darth Vader Iron Captain America meme I posted on this on the Facebook page. I didn't even think about that. I just thought it was funny, and it's like, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Actually, I, I, I'd like everyone to think that I have some like kind of Claremontian like long term plan 
But I'm more of like, there was an interview with Chris Claremont where he was like, yeah, I wrote a lot of that stuff issue by issue. Like he said, he says it like, yeah, but the big story is like, I planned that stuff out. But most of those, I just, I just wrote that stuff month to month. And I'm like, oh my God, is that me? And we're just like, yeah, 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 I had a plan. Yeah. Saints tied <laughs> into the show. I didn't just put that because I thought it was funny. Maybe I was just uh, subtly my, uh, mind tricking you, Ian. Ah, shit. So, yeah. I do want to say about um, Rise, though, that um, it's unfortunate the, the path it took. I know I know the movie was supposed to be Leia's movie, and unfortunately Carrie Fisher passed away. So that, that kind of like changed the direction of it a bit. But I also felt like they took a little too much opinions that were shared and um and then tried to rehack a movie together and um it gave us yeah. something very mediocre in the end and um and I, I felt like any kind of progress that that happened from the from the previous movie like storyline progress is what i may mean by the way yeah. <laughs> but um but i just felt like like all of all of those all of those themes and everything was just lost to have like a hey look it's boba fett or something like that, or you know, like <laughs> oh not Boba Fett. Was it which ship did they have? But what did they had on the Mandalorian ships, didn't they? Right. Anyway, it was just kind of like uh, we're back to the the fanboy fanning again, and um, and I definitely the whole like weird Kylo Ren re- redemption thing. And I agree with you. We we lost sight of of true evil anymore in a lot of our fiction. Because we do romanticize the bad guys all the time. Look at the the Joker movies; an excellent example of that. To be honest, yeah. I like I. Okay, I'm going to be gatekeeping here right now. As a longtime Batman reader, a lifelong Batman reader, I love the fact that we don't really know for sure what Joker's past is. We don't really know what makes Joker click at all. We just know that he does random chaos, and a lot of people die, and. Um, and uh, there's there's nothing necessarily redeemable about the Joker. And now we have these movies that are, are these stories about the Joker with, a, oh, he was like a distraught man who has down on his luck and blah, blah, blah. And like, um, whatever. And it's just like, I don't want to know Joker's past. I just want him to be the, the face of evil and chaos. That I, Don't give me this other crap. <laughs> And the funny thing is, like, when that movie came out, a lot of people were talking about that and saying, oh, his origin. I'm like, did you miss the end of the movie? Where they're like, you may, he may have been in a crazy house the whole time. Which means that this is, like like you said, one of the things I like about Grant Morrison, too, where Grant Morrison, uh, their story, their I, their concept of the Joker is that the Joker is meant, the Joker is super sane. And he has his his whole identity is basically a deck of cards. It's like, oh, am I gonna be this like murdering psycho who shoots people in the spine today? Sure. Am I gonna be this guy who like makes a bunch of joker fish and what's copyright them? Sure, that's who I am today. And it's like and I kind of love and hate that movie because it's, it's, there is that dividing where people are like, oh no, this is Defender Origin. I'm like, no, he this is also him just talking to a talking to a, a psychologist, and that psychologist was clearly dead by the end of the story. So we don't even know. So am I like? So I want to ask you about that because mm-hmm. regarding that movie, because it does give us an or it does give us an origin 
but at the same time I'm, I'm it's that point where it's like as comic fans you know we understand oh the, even if, if you pay attention this is clearly not an established story for him mm-hmm. but the sad thing is all the kind of people who idolize people like him and tyler durden are the same kind of people who are going to miss the point of this and be like oh no this is established origin you should feel bad for people like him and me i think if you go back to uh, the killing joke the um the the comic yeah specifically if we go back to that um i think that comic in particular did an excellent job of having joker have a backstory but we don't know if it's joker just bsing and making this all up in his head and whatever or not i thought it was very clear in that comic um when when he was looking back at his back at his past i think the movie really blurs it um at, at the same time fight club which is actually an excellent uh, point to bring up too i thought it was pretty clear in fight club what was going on and um uh, and tyler Dern is not necessarily like a hero at all either but uh but what's what's up with this why why are like people are really attracted to these joker characters and the tyler durden characters and we're going back to that you missed the point by idolizing them starter pack meme so so which both has pilot which does have the tyler durden and the joker in it so so then so then what's going on here (laughs) i feel like it comes down to people focusing on the result more than anything else because when you look at characters like the joker you look at characters like tyler durden um even as twisted as they might be as you know fucked up as their methods might be i think people might look at them and say like yeah but they accomplish what they set out to do and i think that's how people end up ultimately justifying things you see that all the time also like on social media you see people uh who rise up by being pieces of shit people like logan paul um who just make a career out of being assholes and just like trump when you start to see people who uh get attention who get notoriety and in these days especially we have monetized attention we have monetized uh, getting you know the, the likes and the shares and the follows to the point where you can find a niche and if that niche is like being a piece of shit and you get enough people who are equally pieces of shit to support you then you're going to get something of a platform so when that happens people start to say oh like you can what what you mean i don't actually have to be a good person in order to become famous i can i can be like my basis self i can be um you know as you know moralistic or not as i feel like and i think that's something that you see in those characters like joker and you see tyler durden um and to some extent i'm glad to say they have done a good job of getting harley quinn out of that because that was another example of people romanticizing the relationship between uh, harley quinn and the joker when it was you know a thousand percent abusive and, and terrible but now they they've kind of turned her around and at first um i was a little bit wary of it and how they were going to do it but they've definitely done a good job of fleshing that out because i think people these days uh there are too many people who want to go and support something or support someone that ultimately stands for nothing because it's hard to stand for something 
it's hard to actually say this is what I believe in and I'm going to go with this and I believe that this is the right way to do things and I thought that that was part of like what was tragic I, I felt about Man of Steel and tragic about the DC universe as a lot of people were trying to justify it saying yeah but this is a Superman in a post 9-11 world and in my head I'm saying that makes it even more important for Superman to be the one to believe in hope, for Superman to stand up against xenophobia, for Superman to actually stand up for true justice in the American way and make people realize that he's saying the American way because he's trying to talk about the best things about being an American. He's trying to talk about like opportunity and trying to be welcoming to the people who are different than him and using those differences to make his surroundings a better place. So when people start to insist that, you know, Superman has to be dark because the world now is dark, you get in discussion uh, about like, you know, do you even read the comics? Because <laughs> that's not how Superman is. Like Superman doesn't really let that darkness affect him and even in the stories where he starts to get down on himself stories like kingdom come where he starts to lose faith in humanity he ultimately comes back around that's that's how you stand up for what you actually believe in that's how you take the attributes of what i feel like you take these characters like i'm i'm huge into these characters i'm huge into these stories um i really uh, a lot of people like to make the joke that you are more into Superman as you're a kid, but as you grow up, you start to like Batman more. And I think that's um, kind of been like the opposite for me because The Dark Knight Returns was one of my very first comics that I ever read. And it was that and it was Earth X. Those were the first trade paperbacks I ever read. So when I was young, when I was like 12, 13 years old, and I'm reading about uh, Batman kicking Superman's ass and ultimately, you know, being darkity dark, grim dark. Uh, this is the operating table, fucking up all the youths. Um, I was like, hell yeah, that's cool. And one thing that I love about what's happened to modern uh, Batman is like he's, he's drifted more and more away from being that darkity dark I'm, I am the knight, I am vengeance. And you even see that in the recent Batman movie, you see that that's not what the world needs. It doesn't need that, that darkness. It needs somebody to stand up for something more. So I think that's the great thing about what they're doing with, with Batman right now and why people ultimately like to lean towards people who don't or characters who don't really stand for things it's because they they see them being terrible and still getting results and they still get what they want and you have to show them the opposite i think in media you have to show them people who can be their best selves and get things done still yeah I just want to say something kind of funny, but I think Batman Darkity Dark is my new favorite miniseries that should happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think that did happen. That did was All-Star Batman. 
<laughs> it's I written in job letters for me. I think Sorry, that might be the most terrible Batman. joke I made, but also old man joke I made. That it's written in drama by Mr. Magoo. It's just called Batman oh, wow. Darkity Dark. Batman Darkity Dark. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna work on my pitch now. <laughs> <laughs> it's written Stephanie's new pen name, Mr. Magoo. Mr. Magoo. <laughs> like Darkity Dark Batman patent pending TM. Um, but no. Uh, so Ian. When we're talking about, are you okay, sir? Yes. Um, I didn't want to like a hundred percent like leap on the Star Wars fans, even though it's like kind of like the primary example, unfortunately, because it's it's become you know Star Wars has been around for what like fifty years now. So forty six. Oh, yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Everybody is just listening like <laughs> No, but not to dump a hundred I don't want to dump a hundred percent on the Star Wars fans because um like I was telling Ian earlier before uh, we started getting too deep into it. Uh unfortunately we've seen this with certain fandoms that we might have assumed were better. Mm-hmm. Like for me, one of the most disappointing things about the last couple of years is finding out just how terrible like Lord of the Rings fans can be. Um not just Star Wars fans, because you saw backlash about like casting for Rings of Power. You saw people insisting that Tolkien's universe belongs to white people. I've seen all sorts of long, long-winded, backwards-ass explanations for trying to justify the any kind of white supremacy associated with Lord of the Rings. And it's been tragic. It's been one of because uh, I really, I'm really into Lord of the Rings as well. I did, you know, a big Aragorn cosplay because I feel like, just like Superman, just like Captain America, like Aragorn is one of those characters who, you know, just does good for the sake of good, mm-hmm. and finds a way to bring people together and bring the best out in people without, you know, being a toxic piece of shit. And I think we have to um, cling to characters like that. And I try to um, think in those situations, like, you know, hey, what would Captain America do? What would Superman do? What would Aragorn do? So I, I might take it more seriously than, than some other people. But to me, kind of like we were talking about with, you know, Superman, you know, how do you not get that message? How do you read this content? How do you immerse yourself in these worlds that specifically tell you, don't be racist, don't be misogynist. Uh, There is value in listening to other people. Don't fall for your own arrogance. How do you not get that? So when it came to Rings of Power and you saw people very much trying to... uh, gatekeep and try to insist that there was only white people in that universe despite the fact that uh tolkien himself you know had to uh essentially down not necessarily downplay that's the wrong word but he had to dismiss any 
any thoughts of white supremacy in his work, any associations with that, um, even when he was pressed by, you know, Nazi Germany to say like, hey, um, you're, you're, you're Aryan, right? And he's just basically like, fuck off. So people still don't get that. And that, that's been one of the more tragic things is to discover like even with, you know, fandoms that we might think are, we might trick ourselves into thinking are better than most. There's still mm-hmm. those dark elements and there's still those seedy parts. And I think what it comes down to is we have to be willing to look at examples of that and tell other people those assholes don't represent us. Exactly. Um, Lord of the Rings is an interesting one to bring up because um, I have a little bit of theories, but I've never, I haven't done a too deep of a dive. But part of it is because I think a lot of fans of the work forget about the time it was written. And um, at the time, you know, it was a little more racist. It was a little more misogynistic. That's why there's very little female representation in the books. Is, is kind of what I'm thinking. That's not necessarily mean that we can't modernize it though. Like uh, so many of the characters there, it doesn't matter what gender they are. Um, race, honestly, there's such a diverse race of fantasy creatures. Why couldn't some of them happen to be different skin tones? And that's, that's just what I find so interesting about uh, people who got really upset about about the, the 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 latest series on the of the Lord of the Rings, there is like, and I watched it, and it's like this is all seemed normal to me. Like, of course, there's going to be a diverse types of people in to make up a society, and there's several societies, and 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 uh, when I look around here, right, like like my roommate is uh is from Greece. Um, I'm Canadian born Asian, you know, like it's, it's so normal. And, and then, but then why do these people have like such this tunnel vision of, of their ideal? Like, this is how he wrote it. Therefore, and this is how I envision how he wrote it. And, uh, yeah. and therefore that's what it's going to be. And you know what, I'm going to go one step further and I'm going to bring up the Bible because people like to think that, Jesus was a white guy. I'm sorry. The likelihood that Jesus, <laughs> I'll put it that way, was a was a white person when you is is very unlikely. Um, but um, but there's uh, there's so many people who who like they they came across an interpretation, say in artwork, where he's very Caucasian, and therefore that's their ideal vision of it. And and uh, and then they're they're not open enough to interpretations or open enough to think that oh well geez back in the day in this area or region there's a good chance he's probably a little more black or middle eastern or something like that and like and and it's just i just find the whole thing fascinating that um because um people don't think about about things like the time the the book was written the context that these things were written um context is a big part of uh of what you just brought up with the with the nazis for example and uh and they don't think about these things they just have like they just took it for the very surface value they took it for based off of these couple of drawings or interpretations they've seen of it and then that's the law and and that's actually where a lot of these problems come from, and then that's where a lot of the gatekeeping comes from. 
Yeah. And it's like uh, whenever it comes to the topic, I think whenever there's the potential for like a uh, like a new Superman like there is to be cast right now, people bring up the possibility that it could be, uh, you know, a black actor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, Superman's not he's not black. And I always uh, it's always fun to me because I'm like, yeah, he's also not human. <laughs> so. Or we, how are you going to tell us? Yeah, how are you going to tell us what a Kryptonian can or can't be? And it's like, bitch, he can fly. He has heat vision. Why are you trying to say that he can't have darker skin? That's what kills me about it. Because um, it's uh, these are like, like I'm going to quote Ben Affleck here. These are fictional characters. Does that mean anything to you at all? Uh, <laughs> so one of my I'm favorite sure scenes in the movie. <laughs> James Title Bob Strike Back is so fucking good, man. Um, that's that's my shit. Uh, anyway, <laughs> no, that that's that's some premium uh, Kevin Smith stuff right there. I'm, but, I'm gonna you know, bring he, up. Kind of, he got oh, it. Sorry. Go ahead, Ian. Sorry, I'm, I'm talking way too much. <laughs> I'm gonna bring up because it's kind of my 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 final note on all this. Earlier, earlier you mentioned Superman, and you talked about. The whole idea of the post nine eleven world, the post nine eleven reality, and a lot of the, um, a lot of the fans who like to who like to be taken seriously, like Henry Cavill, um, who fall into that toxic fandom, they have that excuse that oh it's darker, it's reflecting the world, blah 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 blah. Uh, Superman Red Sun is a comic book by Mark Miller. Superman Red Sun is a probably one of the most, probably actually is the most successful Elseworlds comic ever made. Because we've canonized Dark Knight Returns, so that doesn't really count anymore. Um, the end of Superman Red Sun. They realize that the only way to fix this world, this violent, awful, horrible world, is not by creating something more awful. It's not by creating something more violent. It's not by creating more death. It's by bringing the optimism, bringing that positivity back, and realizing this toxic, violent, angry mentality is not going to save the world. It is going to destroy it. And the only thing that we can do, and this is Mark Miller saying this, mm-hmm. this is a guy who made kick-ass. The only way yeah. we can bring them to save the world is to is to make that better world and bring ourselves away from all the things that are terrible that we have seemingly embraced as a culture. As a negative, toxic culture. And bring ourselves back to, not bring ourselves back, but bring ourselves forward to the positive, moving ourselves forward to a a more a light instead of a dark, instead of this anger instead of this dank underground to bring ourselves up to something better. Yeah, and the, I think um, this comes to, down to just understanding the character. Yeah, and it but it, for me it serves as a reflection on the on the fandom and on people in general. And what we need to aim towards. Uh, there's a quote I really love by, by Harlan Ellison, where he says, "You are not entitled to your opinion. You are entitled to your informed opinion. No one is entitled to be ignorant." And yeah. it's one of my favorite quotes from a man who was very opinionated, but in that he is right because when you see somebody with a YouTube channel like a let's say a comic artist who has outlived his purpose, whose purpose now is yelling at people on YouTube. Um, 
It's like, yeah, your opinion is uninformed. Your opinion is when someone says that their opinion is valid. It's like, what what makes your opinion valid? Is it anger? Is it rage? Is it lack of information? Is it ignorance? Then you you don't have an informed opinion, so you're just not valid anymore because all you're doing is hurting people. And that's my final say on toxic fandom, toxic culture. What about you? What about you guys? It's, I think we've only scratched the surface. I, <laughs> um, I don't have a final say because there's so many more aspects to this, unfortunately. And yeah. uh, one of my backgrounds is a, is a cyber communication safety uh, console. So, so it's very, very interesting to, um, to like, to get into things. Like I didn't even touch on things like, I've experienced bomb threats. I've experienced death threats. Um, you know, and I'm not an actor. I'm not at one of these creators that's necessarily the target. I'm, I'm a, I'm a fellow fan. Why am I getting targeted as well? Kind of thing. Um, so I, there's, there's so many more aspects. We, we can, we haven't even discussed, has there been change? Have, do you know anybody who has like, who has, once been toxic and have changed their ways or whatever um uh, is there is there redemption for these people or are they lost souls like um like um kylo ren we don't know this uh we we don't have the, the time to discuss this right now it's just this is definitely an ongoing issue and definitely something that's active now on social media at the time of this recording you mentioned uh cavell for example uh and uh we and uh, there's so much more other things that have hit the news since we started talking about this like the rick and morty issue for example oh yeah like justin ryland being a domestic abuser mm, this whole thing is like it's a it's a whole we just barely scratched the surface of this topic um and um and, but it's a lot, we, we covered a lot here. There's a lot to chew about. We did pick on Star Wars a little bit. Um, and we did discuss Superman in pretty good detail. But, I mean, we can go through every fandom, I bet you, and uh, talk about the toxic nature. Even the K-pop groups I like. There's so many toxic fans in there, too. What's going on? Why are we awful humans? I'm not sure if we're ever going to you know, to your point, unpack the reason why people are terrible. Um, to me, I think that's the reason why these these properties exist. I think that's why Star Wars exists. I think that's why, you know, Superman exists. That's why uh, Captain America exists. We have these worlds and we have to realize that we created them for a reason. We created them as a means to kind of escape from some of the terrible things that happen in reality. But that doesn't mean that they don't have things to teach us. That doesn't mean that we can't look to those characters as examples. And so every time that, you know, to circle back, when we do start to see people who, you know, you got your Superman shirt, you got your Captain America decal on your truck. Uh, maybe you should ask yourself, do you like those things because they're popular right now? Or do you like those things because you res that character resonates with you? And I think there can be some redemption 
and but it's because bringing this all back because uh when we're talking about people who now feel empowered to be their worst selves because we've seen terrible people rise to power we've seen terrible people get what they want we've seen terrible people uh, just blatantly disregard every type of social and legal moral norm and ultimately get their way and we have to ask ourselves like why do we reward that behavior we have to ask ourselves how do we be better and is that example one that we want to follow or can we choose to do something that while it might be ultimately harder it is right so when I look at characters like like Captain America and Superman, Aragorn, people who just do the right thing and listen to their conscience, um, I try to be like them. I think um, part of what makes them good also is they still see the good in other people. So I've said it uh, a long time ago, uh, bringing this back, I don't really give a fuck about being controversial, uh, bringing this back to American politics, uh, I've said it before, I, I feel like ultimately when it comes to uh, Trumpism and MAGAism, um, all those terrible isms, it's the hardest thing that's going to have to happen is we're going to have to find a way to forgive those guys because ultimately somebody has to be the adult in the room. And if you have people who are signaling to you that they're not going to be the adult, and if you have the capacity to think about these things on a deeper issue and to examine what's right and what's wrong and find it within yourself to take the harder path and to take the higher path, then you might be the one who has to forgive because otherwise it's just going to be a cycle of people being assholes to each other. And we have to get back to a place where we can trust each other we have to get to a place where we can respect each other again. And if we don't do that, then we ultimately sacrifice our hope for the future. And we can't do that. Yeah. That's, that's basically my whole spiel. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, honestly, with that, I really can't think of anything to add to that. Cause that just, it it is isn't it is i know they people talk about the idea of not speaking absolutes but, but i feel like what the three of us have said in the show is an absolute truth because there's a point it's when i it's the point where the only people who talk about the idea of ethics being political are the people without ethics and that's why people there is a certain there is a certain thing is absolute truth and that's stated tonight um with that before we get before we start to wrap the show is there any uh is there anything else that anyone anyone wants to mention before we close up in the newest episode of circuit 42 um just um in the beginning of the show when we're talking about um, the environment of comic books, um, the comic book industry and how women work behind the scenes. There is a really good um, fictional novel actually called Secret Identity. Have you guys heard of this? No. 
I want. Okay, it's uh, written by Alex Segura. He's uh he's a actually well-known comics creator. And uh, he wrote a novel uh, that takes place in the comic industry in the 70s. And the main character um, is a woman who works in the comic industry. Um, and uh, she she navigates being a woman and with creative ideas and uh, coming up uh, facing like systemic uh, things that uh, keep her out from the jobs. In the meantime, there's also a murder. And uh, it's it's a very good book, actually. It's it's it was quite entertaining. It's um, it's really fun for all of us who who likes comics. And at the same time, it's it's a good peek at a at a fictional comic history and 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 what the work environment was at the time. A murder, you say? I need to read this. I'm gonna check this out. Yeah, it's worth it, actually. Um, I I, I highly highly recommend it. Nice. And, um, um, well, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Stephanie. No, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to ask if we're at the point where we're supposed to self-promote yet or not, but. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, what do you think? The yeah, answer is so. Um, were you going to so say something? Um, I was just going to. If we're just say, having like our last words, if we're having like our too long, didn't read summary, uh, don't be an asshole. It's not hard. It's not hard. I, whenever you're like about to say something or do something, just ask yourself, would a piece of shit do that? Mm-hmm. And if so, don't do it. It only takes a second. That's it. Well said. Very, very well said. Yep. All right. Let's let's promote. Definitely. Okay, self-promotion time, and I can segue because it's on topic still. Um, I'm a part of a podcast called uh, Change Agents, and uh, we actually pick a comic or a graphic novel that uh, covers um, social issues, and um, and uh, we we kind of discuss what happens in there. Um, so it's a uh, it's super fun. Um, I can give you a link later, um, but we've 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 covered you know we've. We've covered Superman. We've covered X Men. Um, um, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, three other friends and I, and uh, we we like to discuss like different comic books and the different social issues that they might cover, and uh, and um, how it impacts our lives and uh, the kind of messages that they give. So again, it's all it's all related to what we've talked about here. So if you're one of those people who read comics and maybe you missed a message or two, this is probably the perfect podcast for you to to deep dive into more meanings in these stories. Um, and then to, to move on to other stuff that I've been working on, um, I actually have a discussion I will be delivering at the end of February. It's an anti-racism talk. And uh, that will be happening in Edmonton at a community uh, hall. Uh, once I have the details, I will provide those. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about this. Um, and I hope to lead a discussion and uh, to open minds and to hopefully uh, open doors to better understanding uh, between uh, p- different people and different approaches to to not become toxic when you're when you're di- when you're disagreeing. Um, as usual, my one of my regular things that I do is foam armory. I make chain mail and scale mail out of foam. I do it with my buddy Ben Eady. You may know him from uh, movies like Ghostbusters um, and uh, other wonderful Hollywood productions. Um, and uh, 
uh, you, you can actually, we were featured recently, and I'm gonna just going to mention this book. It's amazing. It's the, where is my camera? Cosplayer's Guide, uh, oh, nice. Cosplayer's Ultimate Guide to, to EVA Foam. That's um, so cool. It is a very good book. Um, I should probably try to get to see if you want to get her on your show, maybe. Um, That'd be it's awesome. by Beverly Dowen from uh, Dowen Creatives. Um, I hope I spelled. I hope I pronounced her name correctly. And uh, and it's probably one of the best uh, uh, books on uh, cosplay building. And um, and it does feature my foam. Full disclosure, she does use our stuff. Um, but she discovered us before uh, we became kind of kind of buddy buddies. I actually met her in San Jose at one of the shows down there. So that so that's super exciting. And uh, I, I wish her all the best with that book. Yeah, well, I definitely want to follow up on that and bring both of you on to talk about that because that would actually be really cool. Oh, yeah, sure, totally. I actually met her recently, and she was so awesome. Uh, I met her at LA Comic-Con, and um, she's one of the first, like, foam smiths I started following online and following social media. And every time when I was going uh, at LA, like on the Fridays and Saturdays, and even most of Sunday, every time I go by her booth, she was always like hosting some other kind of like panel yes. or event. I was like, man, I really hope I get to see her. And then finally, later in the day on Sunday, I caught her while she was at the booth and completely geeked out. Um, and uh, she even was gracious enough to like give me a follow. And I was like, oh, Senpai notices me. Um, <laughs> it was a whole thing. But she was very, very nice. Um, so that would be great. I hope to be on that if that happens. Okay, I'll talk to her because like, I would love to get her on this show. That'd be awesome. Uh, speaking of social media, Stephanie, where can people find the amazing work that you do? Where can people find <laughs> you getting mad, getting, getting angry? Oh, my gosh. Um, most of my on Instagram and um, Twitter, uh, my handle is my name, at Stephanie Chan. Um, you will find a good mix of politics and comic books and cybersecurity, um, a little bit of food talk and daily slice of life living in, in Canada, which, by the way, it's minus 17 Celsius, whatever that means in American temperature language. And um, what the fuck <laughs> is Celsius? I don't know, but it's dang cold. <laughs> and um, and let's see. And I, I let's see. I, I, I make goofy little uh, BTS content here and there. I, I love my little K-pop group. Um, you can also find me um on a blog called Smash Pages. Um, I have some wonderful blog writers. They cover comic books, and our, our main focus is comics. We don't really cover a lot of outside uh, comics uh, on our site, unlike um. Other, the other bigger comic sites, but uh, we like it that way. Um, we, uh, we we are an independent comic site where we don't, we don't I literally sponsor the site out of my own pocket. So we're not influenced by uh, by any sort of advertisers. Um, so if you're looking at uh, a little bit, we do interviews and other little things. And that again, that's called Smash Pages. And uh, what else, where else can you find me? Oh yeah, my own business, Foam Armory. You can buy the scale mail and the chain mail. And um... You can find me on what, Facebook and Instagram and been under Ian McIntosh because I'm just very plain that way. Uh, I got rid of Twitter for various reasons. Most of them rhyme me with Elon Tusk. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> and what about you, Michael? Oh, you don't like uh, Miles Braun? You don't like Justin Hammer? Um <laughs> <laughs> 
so like, like Ian, um, I don't have it anymore, but it's like less of a tragedy because I hardly ever use the fucking thing. Um, you can find me on, uh, let's see now, you probably won't be able to find me on Facebook because I'm just incognito like that. But if you would like to find me on Instagram, where I'm just fully whoring myself out, um, you can find me at Four Ducks Pilot a Man Suit. I have recently started to dabble into amateur like uh, toy photography. Uh, you'll also see things like some every now and then I get into cosplay. I've recently started to get more into cosplay. I just did a Aragorn cosplay that uh, I really, really got into, and it was such a joy to put together because it was my my dream cosplay, and I debuted it at uh, at LA Comic Con where I did uh, meet uh, Beverly Downing, and she was so lovely. Um, uh, what else do I do? Every now and then I'll do some blogging um, when I feel like getting on a nice rant. Um, sometimes I'll mix that in with what I've got going on on Instagram. I'm thinking about getting my WordPress my WordPress set back up, but uh, we'll see because I always have like some ramblings ready to go. I've always always got something in the chamber. But uh, it's mainly Instagram, Four Ducks Pilot a Man Suit, um, because Twitter is no more. Twitter is dead. <laughs> um, and of course, you can find Circuit 42 on social media on Facebook and Instagram, and eventually other things. We'll figure that out. And um, you can listen to us on Spotify and iTunes. And with that, uh, thank you for listening. Um, I'm Ian. And it's Michael. He's pretty awesome. And Stephanie. Okay. And Stephanie, she gets the she gets the wizard hat because she's cool like that. Oh yay, wizard hat. Yep. Michael, you said wizard hat. We gave it to you, Stephanie. No more wizard that? hat for Michael. I definitely have a wizard hat around here. Let me see. No, nope, it's gone. Stephanie has it. It's hiding behind the Christmas tree. That's right. No, so no, I have a Christmas there. tree in January. Hey, <laughs> it's Canadian Christmas? I always keep it up for at least Chinese New Year, and then after that, it just kind of like, you know, Valentine's will happen, and eventually Easter will happen, and the tree's still there. And... That sounds wizard. That's a crown. That doesn't count. Get out of here, Michael. <laughs> this is a crown. From, from Peach. This is a Peach, Princess Peach crown, nope. all right? It's worth something. But... Nope. Okay, you can be uh, Princess I, Michael. <laughs> With that, I, I got <laughs> I got the hair for it now, so might as well. It is very fancy hair. Um, but with that, thank you once again for listening, and have a great night, everyone. Bye. Bye bye.